Park yesterday because I, I take more joy from seeing Aaron Judge walk than I would if he smacked one of those dingers for tying Roger Maris's record. Blake Murphy is here. He was at the game last night. Sure was. Um, are you rooting for it to yeah. see it? Yeah. You are. I know you're that guy. It's okay. It's a part of baseball history. I know. That's I know. And uh, the thing I tried guy. Also, I've gotten a lot of flack on Jay's Talk Plus from like listeners and people who text in or whatever, like Yankees fanboy. It's like he can hit two home runs in a 12 <laughs> 2 loss for the Yankees. Uh, okay. Yeah. But it's, you saw those two teams. I'll tell you this. Yeah. I was absolutely not rooting for the home run to come in the 10th inning yesterday. Yeah. That's a situation where no, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to throw old friend of the show here, Pete Walker, under the bus, but there may have been a text that was thrown out from him. <laughs> who was at the Jays game last night as well, saying, I kind of want to see Judge get another A-B in extras. And I went, shut your mouth, Pete. <laughs> shut your mouth. I- I'm not, I'm rooting immensely for him to get skunked down the stretch and for him to sit on 60 forever. I think about how um, hockey fans that hate the Leafs were watching the Austin Matthews goal chase and saying, don't let him hit it. Don't, don't let him hit milestones that he wants. Let him haunt. Let him be haunted. And that's how I feel watching Judge. And I, to, knowing he, when the broadcast, you didn't hear the broadcast last no. night. Shulman and Buck are talking about what the strategy is going to be. Uh, and they're saying Judge doesn't know he's getting intentionally walked yet. And I was delighted by it. <laughs> I was thrilled by it. Knowing that he was going to have to walk and that the crowd was going to boo and that Yankee fans on social were going to cry. Oh, every part of it was sweet. There was, was a lot of crying. There, yeah, there's a lot of crybabies. Okay, let's start there because we're going to talk about a bunch of Raptor stuff. Blake Murphy is here, host of Jay's Talk Plus in studio. Um, yesterday was Raptors Media Day. And you know that's the time of year where I break out the truth serum. Yeah. And I want to know the questions that we would ask the Raptors if they would tell us the, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> but before we do that, I, I do want to talk a little bit about last night's Blue Jays game because that was amazing. Vladdy with that walk-off. I, I wasn't really excited, I got to tell you, about Blue Jays baseball the last week or so. Well, there's nothing real, like home field, no. sure. Yeah, but, but okay. That's not as, this is like, I've seen some people criticize like the attendance down the stretch. Those people it's are like, morons. It's like, yeah, they are. And also the attendance is really strong know, for really the year. Um, yeah. We'll see. Oh, by the way, here's a, here's a scoop for you. Uh, some Ooh. enterprising reporting. Today is the last Looney Dogs Day unless yeah. they make the World Series because they wouldn't host the you game. You can't do it in then. They wouldn't host the game on a Tuesday until then. They ran out of hot dog buns in the middle of last night's game. I love it. I don't. Slurping I would imagine that they're expediting. Slurping raw glizzies? They, they wouldn't give me raw glizzies. No, they wouldn't let get, me raw dog it. Get, no. Um, there was like a Joey whole, chest at it. They like one of those whole of quickie mart, um, like rollers full of hot dogs. And I was like, let me get, let yeah. me get two. I went, I was in the 200 level. So you get the dugout get deals, two. the like yeah. cheaper stuff or whatever. That should just be free. Yeah. What are you going to do with them? You have no buns. Yeah. Just, 
Serve them today. <laughs> yeah. Serve them today, <laughs> no, probably. Oh, God, probably. That's probably right. You uh, can't do Looney Dogs in a World Series game, though. Do you know how... You look amateur. Not only do you look amateur, do you know how angry... <laughs> I'm getting mad right now just picturing the people getting up and sitting down for the Looney Dogs. Where were you for Joe Carter's uh, Touch Em All home run? Oh, yeah. I was in line, line for a $1 for hot dog. I could not wait for that gliz. <laughs> I was just dying for it. Um, yeah, that's a good scoop. Did, so did we break the record then again? Did they set a new record? No, because yesterday was Monday. So today is the oh, day right. they've got to like yeah, okay. expedite in right, of course. the buns. That's how days of the week work. Is yeah. that the first day of the week is Monday. And that's what we did a show yesterday. Yeah. And then today is Tuesday. It's the second day of the week. I got it. It's I even easier it for you. It starts with a T. If you're talking about yeah. football, it's a Monday or Friday. Yeah. That's, That's true. The book ended by football and then Tuesday to Thursday, whatever. That's true. That's true. So Schneider walks judge. I'm loving it. Yankees fans are obviously booing at the stadium. Seemed like there was a decent chunk of Yankees fans there. There was. Yeah. Because you could hear them. Yeah, which is not surprising. Like, no. uh, there are always lots of Yankees and Red Sox fans for those games, but especially in a historic moment like this. Like, I'm going to the, to the game tonight with a friend mm-hmm. who is, um, he's Latin American and he grew up a Yankees fan because of that connection to the fan base. And, like, he has a new kid and traded in, like, every new father chip he could to be able to go to one of Aaron Judge's games. Like, this this means a lot so to sad. Yankees I hope, fans. I hope he limps out of that stadium tonight. Like, <laughs> oh boy, only one more to go. Yeah, but he can stock up on $1 hot dogs to yeah, feed his I, family. I guess, yeah, that's, that was the deal. It was like he picks up groceries um this is a this is a funny one because schneider gets a ton of credit because it works out mm-hmm. i loved it in the moment you and i were saying in the moment hey he's got to do this this is obviously the play you got to walk judge you don't normally see a guy walk to load the bases it's a very barry bonds move right like mm-hmm. this is a this is a reserve for the highest of the high baseball player and it's a move that is yet is both brave and cowardly. Where does it actually sit in in your specter? Yeah, so I, I thought it was the right move, mm-hmm. um, especially once you, like if you have already made the decision that you want Meza facing Rizzo for the lefty-lefty matchup. You, you absolutely did. You can't do anything else because you can't let Meza face Judge and you can't, risk Mesa being in there against like once you get past Rizzo it's all righties it would have been Glaber Torres Josh Donaldson Giancarlo Stanton and you can't leave Mesa in for that so basically if you're putting Mesa in for the Rizzo matchup you are saying we have to get this out or basically we concede the game yeah um so through that lens all you're playing for and this is like this is very playoff baseball and it's one of the reasons that home field advantage is so helpful in games like this is you can manage for the type of extra innings you want right and what they decided was if the Yankees had a big inning well so be it the Yankees had a big inning but they were playing to not allow any runs so they would only need a single to win in the bottom and yeah you walk Aaron Judge because you don't want to give up a home run. He also leads the league in batting average. Mm-hmm. It is very yeah, likely he's going for he, a triple crown. <laughs> it's very likely he rips a single that scores a go-ahead run, or he rips a two-run double. It wasn't yeah. just about the home run. So, yeah, only the sixth time in that situation, extra innings, runners on first and second, that a guy's been intentionally walked in the last decade. But mm-hmm. I thought it was the right move given how good a hitter Aaron Judge is. And again, once you make the Mesa Rizzo decision you kind of handcuff yourself there. No, I, I thought it was a, I'll be honest, I um, and I think it was great by John Schneider that he did it, but I, I thought it was the obvious move. It's the best hitter in baseball, and he's coming up with a chance to essentially seal the game. Yeah. You obviously walk him, and you obviously don't care 
if it changes to two runs instead of one. No, like your chances of winning the game go down at that point. Yeah. But you're basically they're saying we'll win a one run game here. But if of they course. if they pour it on, if they have a big inning, we're done. And that's that's like maybe some people think that's loser mentality or whatever. But you're you're no. a week and a half out from the playoffs. No. You had already used five relievers. If they put up a big inning, you are you just pack it up and fight tomorrow. I, I just thought it was funny that people kept describing the move as brave. Uh, I had someone no. tweet at me saying Schneider has brass ones, and I went, "No, this was a very cowardly move. Do yeah. not make it." They were totally afraid of Aaron Judge, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but it. he's so brave yeah. that he's brave enough to be a coward. That's it. It's it's yeah. you're brave enough to be yeah. vulnerable. That's very 2022. Yes. John Schneider, brave yeah. enough to be vulnerable, knowing that he was not going to pitch to the best hitter in baseball. Ranking brave the him. troops. Yeah, John Schneider. John Schneider, number two. Anyway, it was an awesome move. Um, I absolutely loved it. Yesterday really fired me up, and I, I will say this about the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. I I was not really sweepstakes, his home run chase. Sweepstakes will come later. I wasn't really invested in it. I viewed it more as a Yankee story than a baseball story. Um, I just wasn't watching Yankees games out of market, especially if they were across from a football game or whatever, to see him hit 60 or to see him 61. But now that the circus has come to town... I'm definitely in on it. I'm definitely, again, I'm doing the schadenfreude. I don't want to see him get it. I'm, I'm openly rooting against Aaron Judge every single night, every single at-bat. Love seeing him walk. It's pure joy for me. Bliss. But what this has done is having the Yankees fans at the Rogers Center, having Vladdy walk it off last night, having the stakes of Judge come up in that moment, it, it really made it feel like playoffs are here. It's been a little bit of a, I don't want to say a slog, but since the Orioles completely dropped out of the race and this became, hey, are you going to play on the road or at home? Are you going to be the five seed or the eight seed in the Eastern Conference? Well, and, and it's something I'm going to talk about with Ennis tomorrow on the good hour is like, are the stakes high enough for these wildcard games? Because home field is nice, right? And you, you just exemplified one of the reasons why it's great. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays covet it and you want that revenue. I want to be at those games. You want to be at those games. Everyone wants home field advantage. But... Seeing them get three games against the Rays and knowing that the next series would be against the Astros, whereas if you finish where the Mariners are, you get to play Cleveland and then the Yankees. Yankees. It's a it's a little deflating. It feels it's a touch of the Leafs playing Boston or Tampa in the first round. It's a it's a touch of that where I'm going. Is this the advantage that you're getting here? I don't really love it. This made it feel like playoff baseball. Vladdy having that moment to me, that stuff matters. And this team looks like now they're primed for a run. And I just can't think of a better thing to be happening right before the playoffs when they're kind of in a potential lull that they're facing a top tier team, that they're staring down the barrel of history, that they're in their home ballpark where there's real electricity in there and they're going to play with stakes. So I I love this series against the Yankees. I can't wait to go down to the ballpark and watch one of these games. And yesterday was the first time where I just said, okay, start the playoffs. I I can't wait for this. Vladdy needed that too. Oh, yeah. Which is big. Like he he had that he had his second Mirage hit streak of the year not that long ago. Like he's had yeah. the three big hit no, streaks. Said, but two of them were Mirages. Yes. Two yeah. of them were like, oh, my OPS is under seven hundred, but I I go one he, for four every day. I was day. gonna say he'd be over three and then come up his final A B and and poke one and yeah. they'd be like, The hit streak continues. No, but he needed that. That was a well hit ball. Obviously, that's a big spot. That was a like kind of the no doubt walk off. Like as soon as it's off the bat, you know. I think he needed that. And the other thing is 
I agree with you on the maybe wildcard one isn't all that valuable. It's not that big a deal. I will say if you can wrap it up earlier, I oh, yeah. lock like if you can go into that Orioles series after the weekend and you don't have to worry about fighting off Tampa Bay and 100%. Seattle for that spot. So then you can have, cause the, the big worry has been the John Schneider thing last week of, Oh, if we need Manoa in game one sixty two to lock up home field, we'll pitch him. And I would absolutely not. I'd yeah. much rather go on the road with Manoa than be at home without Manoa or Manoa can go short rest, 75 pitches in game three or I whatever. I can't believe they, that they said that publicly, like keep your cards close to the vest. Even if you're thinking that, yeah, it's John Schneider's worst moment as manager. <laughs> it, yeah, Do I, you, I don't you, like it. But. You would start a series with Manoa and Gossman in the playoffs. You're favored. It doesn't matter if you're on the road. That's the yeah. scenario that you go with. And like, look at the, what the playoff matchups, look at what the pitching matchups look like if no, you no. don't have Manoa in there. No, it's It's wild. scary because no. all these teams have really good, well, I don't know, Luis Castillo might be a pumpkin now. <laughs> he signs the deal, gets lit up, but uh, doing his best Jose Barrios impression. Oh. Um but yeah, if you can, like you're two and a half up on Tampa right now. If you can go, if you come out of the weekend and you're two games up on them, I think you can breathe, right? Then you you got to win one game and you can manage around Manoa and Gosman, get them the extra rest or whatever. So that's what I think is big about this week as well. 100%. It's like, it, it's, it's hard to like snapshot that as, oh, this game's big because it gets you slightly closer to being able to optimize your rotation. But like, yeah, yeah these are going to be really close series. Like yeah. you're going to have... Bieber and McKenzie on the other side, or McClanahan and Rasmussen, or Castillo and Ray. Like, you need Gosman and Manoa in good spots. Well, and you're hoping that those two teams are trying to scrap each other out. Although, I don't think that they would. I think that if they're on the road, um, you the actual thing that you might see is almost halfway intentional tanking. I could see... Where one of them wants to get away from the Blue Jays and, and that bracket with the Astros. I could see Tampa doing that. Yeah. Um, in addition, because, like, Tampa has the... Plot. Seattle's not screwing around. They need to get in the playoffs. They like, also... Yeah. they Well, yeah, they need to get in, and then they would also... Like, I think Seattle would tell you mm -hmm. they think they have the biggest home field, the biggest swing between home and away because that fan base has been so starved for playoff baseball oh, for yeah. so long. Like, I would imagine they're anticipating 2015 Game 1 Roger Center level intensity for the first playoff game they host. You'll recall a long time ago where I put a bet down when the Mariners were on the outside yep. looking in on the playoffs. Was come, that for, that, was that for the championship? Just to come out of the American League. Okay. Just to come out of the American League. Heavy, heavy wager. I, I will tell you that it's so much money that <laughs> I, I would have a I would have a moment where I, <laughs> I would have, I, I'd have to I'd have to leave the room. You know, I couldn't I couldn't be in the room while the decision was being made. If it really came down to those two teams, <laughs> it'd be very tough. It would be very. I'd be doing this. I'd be rooting for the Jays. I'd be down at the ballpark. But when the Mariners walked it off, I'd be like, no. And then checking the app to see exactly how rich I am right the now. Ultimate emotional hedge. Yeah. Oh, it's so much You've money. Pre-hedged, really. Yeah, I know. It's and yeah. It's if it if it hits, it's gonna be it's gonna be the second best bet of my life. Worst case scenario, though, mm -hmm. they knock off the Jays. You think you're happy for a minute, and then no, they, no, then they, they lose they, the oh, next no, round. That, that that's the ultimate. Just I I spin out of control, and yeah, you you catch me mumbling on a street <laughs> corner somewhere, and that's what ends up happening there. Okay, so yeah, Blake Murphy. Um. Let's move to the Raptors. That was the original reason I wanted to have you in today. Plenty of time for it. You're here for the hour. What's the biggest story heading into camp for you? You can't say 
G League battle for cap <laughs> contracts at the bottom. If you're good, you can say that one after. Um, yeah, I, I think the biggest talking point is going to be, has this team improved enough to answer some of the questions we kicked around all last year, which is, and to to repeat ahead of truth serum is like, you, you don't have to have to decide this year if this group is enough or if you have to change a timeline, mm-hmm. but Masai Ujiri and Fred Van Vliet both got asked about an extension mm-hmm. yesterday. The clock's ticking on that one. Once the season starts, you can't, you have to wait until next off season because um, you can only negotiate in season if a guy's in the last year of his deal. Fred technically two years left because of the player option. Uh, Siakam extension eligible in a couple days here as well. So I could absolutely see both sides being like, look, let's wait for details on the next TV deal. We'll have a better idea where the cap's going. Maybe we end up throwing more money at you than we thought. And it has less cap impact, especially in the case of Siakam where you're probably talking about max. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is going to be the thing to watch. Like it's Fred Van Bleed extension watch, I think throughout training camp and, and you know, he means so much to that team, but it's also an indicator of do they think that the Barnes precious OG guys have developed enough that Fred and Pascal at 28 can fit the timeline. See if I'm Fred, I wait because you said it, the, the TV money is going to change to the point where it, it's just going to be astronomical figures. We're going to have to completely recalibrate the way that, you know, remember a couple of years ago, uh, by a couple, I mean, this is now, when, that, when the cap shot up to a significant enough degree where all of a sudden mid-level players were making so much money that we were yeah. like, oh my God, this guy makes $20 million. It was and, 2016. It's how yeah. the Warriors got KD. Ex- exactly. And all of a sudden we were really having a tough time understanding contracts. Well, yeah, there was, we tried to, like people tried to sell Damari Carroll four years, 60 million as a good deal. (laughs) And it was like, oh. That's it. Well, maybe that's the market for a poor man's Jay Crowder type, but like, yikes. If If I'm Fred, I have to have a bunch of, I have to get some pretty significant money from the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And they're capped on what they can offer. Exactly. And you're, but you have a situation where you have a brand of bet on yourself which you continue to get to lean into by waiting. I thought one of the most interesting things that was said yesterday was essentially a promise from the Raptors that they're going to play Fred Van Vliet less this year. We've heard that before, though. Okay. We've heard that before with Kyle, with DeMar, yeah. with Fred. Just, it was, hey, we want him to be ready for postseason time. Yeah. And, and, and Van Vliet being open about, like, I didn't listen to my body down the stretch is like, mm. that was obvious. But to hear him verbalize it and Nick Nurse, like, this is clearly a conversation Messiah, Nick, and Fred and McKechnie have had. Like, uh, they were all on the exact same talking points. Like, they know. Well, they should know because Fred went from a 40% three point shooter <laughs> to a like 30% three point shooter. I was actually, I think, a little bit even below that. Um, yeah, it wasn't great in the no, second half. No, it was. Tough sledding. So, and they needed him to course. play all that stuff. And like, I mean, the the Sixers series, like we, like everyone shot back and forth and, and like ponged of like, well, is this team maybe better than Fred, without Fred right now because he's so hurt and then he misses one game and it's like, Fred, come back, play 48 minutes, please. This is what it looks like without Fred Van Vliet. So I, I think they're more capable of doing it this year. Um, I don't know if people are going to, you know, try to kick the football on Malachi Flynn again as a backup point guard. Mm. You're you're going to hear all the good things over sure. preseason, and, and you're going to hear probably even a guy like Fred talk up Malachi Flynn. Um, it is interesting he's not gone. You would have thought that they would have just given him a change of scenery yeah. move. And but... they didn't really address point guard. Nope. So oh, it's one of my things. Yeah, so 
I think, you know, they joked around about it yesterday about Scotty Barnes being like a giant jacked point guard and mm-hmm. that's going to be a thing and Siakam's going to be a point guard and they're going to they're going to kind of do what we saw last year where yeah. everyone if Fred Van Vliet's not on the floor, everyone's a point guard and if he is on the floor, even then you might be a point guard and Fred's the off-ball guy. Yeah, I I'm not overly concerned necessarily about not having a another traditional lock it down point guard. Even Fred to me, has always kind of profiled more as a combo guard than a actual true blue. Defensively, point. he's by far their best option on point guards. Yes, though, he is, which is tough. They they've got to figure out, and they maybe hinted at this yesterday. But I think OG can defend a point guard, and I yeah. think that eventually Scotty Barnes is supposed to be able to defend yeah. a point guard. So, it, like the the versatility of the Pascal team can too. Honestly, that you just probably don't want to task him with that. It, exactly. The big thing is, and, and this is maybe a little too in the weeds for a, a pre or a post media day conversation, but one thing that I came away from yesterday thinking after Nick Nurse's press conference was I wonder if they're going to tweak the defensive system when Fred's not on the floor Mm. because Fred is their guy that gets run through a million pick and rolls and fights through it and stuff like that. You, when he's not on the floor, you may be, you know, this is, it's been, basketball media has been a little reductive about like, oh, switch everything if you have guys who are the same size. But the Raptors might have to do that because they don't have another guard who can defensively track the other team's point guard. And if you're only going to play Fred 32 minutes instead of 39, that's a good chunk of time where the other team's starting point guard is going to be out. Like imagine a Trey Young game. Mm-hmm. And Trey Young's out there for 12 minutes in that game without Fred Van Vliet on him. Do you want to ask Siakam or Barnes or OG to guard that? Or do you want to kind of go into switch everything? Do you want to have Precious be a drop back big in those situations? I, I think the defensive identity might change a little bit when Van Bleet's not out there. That's really interesting. And it's way more complicated than what I was I know, thinking. It's, well, it's also 9 a.m. No, sports radio. I don't know no, if I should be drawing was, diagrams and stuff. No, but. The re- just the only thing I had kind of thought of when it was in regards to Fred defensively was that they probably are going to try... If, if your task is making sure he's healthier come playoff time, then I think that is going to be, hey, how are we going to use him defensively throughout the course of an entire season? See, I don't think, I don't think his defensive role changes a ton okay. because he is, like, by an order of magnitude, their best on, like, on-ball yep. defender against a, a heavy-usage guard type. And I think that in big games that you are going to end up seeing more of that. I wonder, though, if they do start to give right, Scotty like, Barnes a little bit more of a role. Like the Kawhi only yep. guards Giannis yep. kind of usage, yep. yeah. And exactly. otherwise, he's hanging out. Start moving him off of some of those roles where he has to chase around a point guard yeah. all night long. And he's so good pinching yeah. in at the free throw line or like when he doubles down on a big to, to swipe the ball away. He might he might lap the league in steals if he's off ball a little bit more. Look, here's the things that are undeniable about Fred. He's one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA. When he's healthy, he's an elite shooter. He's got incredible leadership qualities, but his contract still to me is one that is tricky. And to kind of get back to it being the story of camp, because there, there's some other things that I think are interesting, but a lot of the Raptor stories are going to be solved in the regular season, right? Like they're, they've got more continuity than any team in basketball. Can they improve a lot of these things? Like we're going to see them play out over the course of the regular season. We're not going to really see them play out over the course of training camp. And like a lot of the stuff is like, well, is Precious going to be 10% better or 15% better? It, yeah, and, it, and we'll get to some of that too about development. But with Fred, if I'm him, I kind of want to see what this Raptors team becomes as well. Because if, I, he would probably never admit this. He, I'll give one truth serum dart to Fred. Shoot one in his neck. Do you think that you can be a top two or even three player on a championship winning team? 
Because I, I have my reservations about that. And, and I think that, of course, he was hurt last year, and he wasn't himself in that postseason series. But I think if Fred Van Vliet is a, gets to play essentially, well, no, Wiggins was even more important, but he gets to be a role-ish, high-end role player in a postseason series, he's one of the best in the NBA at doing that. You saw that when the Raptors won the championship. Yeah. I, I think, think he could be your third best player. Yeah. The, the that's, offensive, but that's the top of the top, yeah, you would admit. The offensive creation load that's on him the way the team's currently constructed it's a little it's a little tough and then it also you know we talked about you and i talked about this a lot last year is like also when fred's on the ball and he's he splits his time he doesn't like ball dominate or anything like that but that takes away your best shooter off the ball as well and like he's a capable pull-up shooter that's a great weapon to have also nice to have spot up shooters who can shoot other than og in a corner and gary trent who will catch it and take one dribble and then shoot it yeah by the way, this is something I noticed. Is it okay if I yeah. kind of... Gary Trent was, like, not talked about yesterday. Yeah. Masai was up there. Nurse was up there. All the players were up there. Everyone's talking about everyone else. And, like, maybe it's just one of those things where he's, like, a quieter guy and kind of unassuming and stuff. But I know that you have thought for, since they signed that deal, that he's probably not a part of the, or maybe not at least, part of the long-term plan. Because why else would you give him a two-plus-one deal where if he's good, he can he can walk? And I just found it interesting that like he was not a part of the, he just didn't come up. No one used him as an example of A, B, or C. No one used him as an example of how the offense or defense could be different or the developmental leaps or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought you would find it interesting how, Little he came up yesterday. So I have as my story of camp contracts. Okay. Contracts to me are the story of camp because everyone, and and this is not a shot at anyone, but a lot of the Raptors coverage at camp is going to be about who has improved at what. But like that's every sport, every training camp. It's always, I'm in the best shape of my life. And, you know, you saw the quote from Ujiri yesterday about uh, OG, where he said, OG's put an incredible amount of work in the summer. We expect a leap. And I go, okay, well, that was also last summer. And Siakam saying he wants to be a top five player. And I'm going, hey, like you're all ready and all NBA caliber player. Um, a I healthy actually, off season for him though. Is, yeah, it that's is big. cool. No, yeah. it's, it's very interesting to see what he brings to camp and how he looks. But I actually think that the problem with Pascal Siakam from an optic standpoint is that people continuously want more when it's already that he's awesome. Yeah. He's really, really good. And that when he puts himself in the box of I want to be a top five player, that's where people lose their minds a little bit with him and they expect a bit too much. It was, it's the the whole like he inherited the team from Kawhi thing and then he had that first game against the Celtics where he starts raining in threes and people went oh my god he's Kawhi but better maybe <laughs> and and he's had a tough time kind of getting out of that and people accepting him as just an all NBA guy but if you look at this team right now there are legitimate questions with who is getting what contracts and if they're not getting those contracts what does that mean for the future I think Fred gets paid I think it's a matter of time I'm guessing that that's your that's been your long held belief that mm-hmm. he is going to get paid, that he's going to get extended one way or another. The, the question is, yeah, the, the question for me has not been if he's sticking around and if yeah. he's getting paid. It's do they work something out now mm-hmm. with the restricted extension rules? So for anyone who doesn't know, the Raptors can't just give Fred whatever they want to give him or whatever he wants on an extension because this is an extension of existing contract. You're capped a little bit in what you can offer. Uh, and because the Raptors don't have cap space, they can't go over that. So Fred could get, I don't have the numbers handy, but I think our estimates were like four years, 114 million uh, roughly. That was around the ballpark that you and I talked about last year. And if Fred Van Vliet were to instead do the bet on yourself thing, you know, potentially he's looking at 30% would be the max based Mm -hmm. on his level of service time. 
and next year's cap is currently projected to be 134 million. So he opts out next year. That's that's a big first year salary. Like that's more than 114 million over four. Um, and then that's before the question of like he could opt out and sign a two year. So then he rehits the market as like a, a ten year vet with the higher max and stuff like that. I don't, I don't. We don't need to go into those things. But this discussion between Van Vliet's camp and the Raptors is not as much about Van Vliet's future with the Raptors as it is about like the economics of the NBA, which makes it a little more annoying, I think, for fans and listeners to to kind of sort through. But yeah, if an extension doesn't get done, it's not because Fred and the Raptors don't want to be together long term. It's because there's a lot of uncertainty about what the economic environment's going to look like. And all positive, mm-hmm. like it's all going to be great for players and for teams players. are going to have more t- more money to spend and stuff. But there, there is an element of uncertainty there where if you're Fred, is like, yeah, locking in 27, 28 million a year for the next four years is incredible given how underpaid you were early in your career. Yeah. But also you could get maybe 150 million if you bet on yourself and don't get hurt. Yeah, that's, that's it for me is if your brand is bet on yourself and we'll kind of wrap that Fred conversation, but if the brand is bet on yourself, I just have a tough time believing Fred is going to take that contract knowing that there are two expansion teams coming where a ton of money is going to get pumped in the league, that the Phoenix Suns sale is going to happen, and it's going to be in the billions of dollars and up the value of franchises, and that a new TV deal is going to come in, and all of a sudden his contract ends up looking very, very team-friendly very, very quickly, almost regardless of what his... not regardless of his health, right? But if he can just be even 80% of him as a player on that new TV deal, yeah, or that that new economic NBA we're talking about, I just, I have a tough time knowing what kind of guy he is that that's sitting well with him, him not having that that regret. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the some of the like high, hypothetical TV deals yeah, right now, and like the NFL got 113 billion. Yes. Baseball's getting what? Over 12 billion a year. Now baseball has way more games obviously but um the nba got that landmark deal that kicked in in 2016 it expires in 2025 but one thing i think we're gonna see so when that 2016 deal kicked in we knew by 2014 and remember if you remember there were all the arguments about like should we smooth the cap impact so there's not this huge one-year jump and then after they decided no and there was that huge one-year jump everyone was like well you definitely should have smoothed that um so we could find out conceivably like this season what that next deal looks like and, and see yeah. those cap impacts earlier so if i'm him i'll wait if i'm him i'll wait i might too. I, I just i just the, trust the that injury I can do this. stuff and like the it would, the injury would have to be like he's he's got to miss something yeah. like 30 games this year 25 games this year for it to really have a, a significant impact but yeah. back to gary trent because like i said contracts are what matters to this team right now deciding who is a part of the core um i'm going to tease what my truth serum is it's from Masai Ujiri and and it involves that so we're going to take a quick break but before we do that it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings an official sports betting partner of the NFL Joe Bosch Pete Walker we're going to go quick today what is a line that stuck out to you it's Tuesday it's the day where we take a look at the lines what popped well for me JD uh, I'm going to be betting on the game of the week potentially okay Ravens Bills Exactly. Ravens plus three and a half, minus 115. Blake I, is furious right now that you didn't say Eagles Jags, but yeah, okay. Eagles yeah, Jags. It's, it's between those I, I saw it as well. Yeah. I saw Eagles Jags, but uh, I'm just a huge Lamar Jackson fan, and mm-hmm. obviously Bills are a bit banged up. Uh, Josh Allen has not performed well against the Ravens throughout his career 
average passing rating of 60.7 in mm-hmm. two games. I, so. I, I kind of like this one too, and it it caught my eye as well, especially mm-hmm. since the numbers already started to move. The line opened up with the Ravens getting even more than this. Oh, really? Huh? And just the only reason why I have it flagged is how beat up the Bills are. Ravens are dinged up too, but the other thing is, how are they going to bounce back after all basically needing IVs on the field a week later? Joe Bosch, what do you got? I got the Raiders and the Broncos under 44 and a half mm. total points because both of those offenses are struggling. The Broncos' defenses looked really good. The Raiders' defense, they stuck with Kyler Murray kind of up until the last couple plays of the game, but they held them to 12 points to the first three quarters, and it took Kyler Murray going Super Saiyan to even pull out a win in that game. Mm-hmm. So. Raiders Broncos under 44 and a half. I'm actually surprised that it's 44. Yep. I thought it'd be closer to 41, 42, but you know, they struggle to score and I think it's going to be a slugfest. Yeah. Unders have been hitting over 60% to start the season. Um, I don't like, there's just, there's been a problem with offenses. Um, the line to me that popped was the chiefs minus two. Um, I, they've looked discombobulated. I talked about them yesterday that it's been two weeks where they have really missed playmakers. And after that week one excitement, it's kind of overshadowed how bad things have been over the last two weeks. But the Buccaneers look very pedestrian to me. And I think that Patrick Mahomes is the kind of guy that knows this is going to potentially be his last chance at beating Tom Brady, playing Tom Brady. I think the Chiefs are going to have a great game plan. I think that they're going to beat them on the road. Um, Quick break. We'll come back. We'll do Truth Serum with Blake Murphy. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So yeah, Blake Murphy in studio. Thanks to DraftKings, official sports betting partner of the NFL. After it was time for action. Shared our lines. Saw the Raptors get presented their season win totals to Bobby Webster when Tim McAuliffe sat down. <laughs> the only time I've bet on a Raptors win total, I think, in the last decade. It was an over during the pandemic year, <laughs> and I missed. <laughs> the, I think it's the only time that I actually bet on them before a season started. Did out. Tim use the graphic I, I sent him during that? I don't know. I just saw it was a printout. Oh, okay. It was a printout of... Uh, I will say this, is that they did a flashback to Bobby Webster's reaction last year when it was like 36 and a half, and he was very... He smirked and kind of chuckled at it. And Tim showed him this year's one, and his reaction was not a smirk and a chuckle. He went, oh, that's a lot more games. And I went, ooh. Yeah, it's 46 and a half, right? <laughs> I know. I went, oh, that's not as confident as Bobby Webster was before. 44? Yeah, 44 okay. and a half, I think. Either way. Um, yeah, 36 and a half a year ago, 44 and a half a year uh, today. So I tease it going into our break. Raptors truth serum. If you could force one of the Raptors to tell you the truth, what would it be? And, and mine, Blake Murphy, is very simple. I would give the truth serum to Masai Ujiri, and I would ask him, how active were you in the summer? And what was the trade market? Because the Jazz came up. The Blazers came up. KD came up. You'd been linked to the Pacers in the trade deadline before. And the Raptors do an incredible job of keeping things in-house to the point where I just, I don't know, I, don't, I honestly don't know how they do it. Maybe that would be the truth serum. It's like, how do you guys keep every other front office from leaking things? I, I don't get it. Do you just all of a sudden also not make moves out of spite, like the Portland one, if they get leaked and you get so furious at the front offices? It is funny because sometimes stuff will leak or like the Raptors will 
The Raptors are fine letting details come out after something happens. A year, think about the Siakam thing. Yeah. It was a year. It was a year later we found out that he got into a disagreement now, with Nick part of, part of that was like none of us were around. Sure. So at least like that's one where I don't know. I could have had a one like a private one-on-one conversation sure. with a player or an assistant coach or something. Get some idea mm-hmm. in normal times. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was there was no one around. Like you text and be like, "Hey, what curse word did he call him?" Yeah. <laughs> like no one's gonna answer that. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating that they keep things in house to to the extent where when something does leak, mm-hmm. it's like I wonder sometimes if. Like this is, I forget where this is from, but something I, I've heard before and love is like leak different information to different people, mm-hmm. like give different information to different people and see which piece of information yeah, leaks. Of course. And then you know who the leak is. So maybe they just did that when Ujiri took over for Colangelo because Colangelo was the leakiest front office. Yeah. I mean, to the point where Twitter burners and stuff. So that, commenting that's- on Raptors Republic and. <laughs> How active were you last summer? And then subsequently, I think what that tells you is what, which players are, are the actual core? Because this is my theory. I think it's Siakam, I think it's Fred, and I think it's Scotty, and I don't think there's anybody else in that core, and here's why. Those contracts we mentioned, I think it's going to make the Raptors, it's going to be exceedingly difficult for them to re-sign Gary Trent and for them to re-sign OG Ananobi. Maybe one of the two. I don't see any scenario where both get done knowing that you mentioned it. Siakam's going to become extension eligible. Fred is extension eligible. And Scotty Barnes is going to be looking down the pipeline at a big contract extension as well. This is a team that absolutely needs to have depth. They need to be able to be smart with their money and their allocation of said funds. But they also cannot do the Toronto Raptor, or sorry, the Toronto Maple Leafs thing of own rental, where guys just leave here as big money contracts. We talked about this with Goran Dragic last year of, mm-hmm. hey, they got to bring something back in the Goran Dragic deal because they desperately need to use his cap, cap space as a weapon. And I'm looking at Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, and, and as much as everybody's playing nice and talking nice, and as much as they need those guys, I think that they're very, very quietly... Available and well, that they're yeah, going to show, show me the team that keeps a core together, like the whole core together. Like no. even the Raptors, Kyle DeMar, JV core, everyone else was like rotating in and out. Like eventually yeah. they had to move off Pat Patterson. Eventually they moved off of Corey Joseph. And there were a lot of guys who fit really well on the court and, and culturally and stuff like that. And you got to. You got to tweak at the margins and guys age out or, or, you know, if you're a big believer in OG, maybe you expand your role out of where there's room for. Um, but yeah, the the own rental thing's tough. You can go back even further than the Drogic thing. I still think a part of like they didn't really want to trade Norman Powell, but they mm-hmm. had just lost their entire championship core without getting anything back. Like Kawhi left as a free agent and then it didn't make sense to re-sign Danny Green. And then Gasol left and that made sense too and Ibaka left and that made sense too and then suddenly you've lost half of your championship rotation and got nothing back mm-hmm. so the urgency to deal norm for something in that lost season which you know Gary Trent has been good but to your point you could have also looked at Gary Trent as well it's like keeping Norman Powell's contract on the book a while longer until we're ready to do something bigger and, and yeah the Dragic thing you know that was the kind of disappointment with the Thad Young trade. Like, I'm fine with the trade, but the $19 million contract that you were carrying with Goran Dragic could have got you in the mix for more yeah. and didn't. That was where the kind of disappointment came from. So we'll see. I'm I'm with you. I think Gary Trent 
especially. Um, you know, there's the awkwardness of not even awkwardness, but just like he's the worst defender in their rotation. He improved a lot last year, but like that's a lot of steals. So people think he's better than he is. Yeah. Um, there's a reason Philadelphia was attacking him relentlessly for that entire playoff series. Um, and just like whoever Gary Trent was guarding, got the ball. So there's a little bit of weirdness there. Um, he didn't like grow with this core, right? Like he's not a day one guy. So maybe there's not as much of the organizational equity or sweat equity or whatever. (laughs) And then just from a NBA economics perspective, like that $17.5 million contract is a very like movable and helps you get in the mix for a lot of guys like the Bojan Bogdanovic trade. You want to get in on that. Gary Trent's the guy who's outbound. You want to get in on, I absolutely want no business of Jay Crowder now that he can't shoot anymore. But if you wanted something like that, like Gary Trent is the contract that gets you in the conversation at this time of year, you're not piling up three or four lower contracts for a guy. It's, it's, you know, if you're trying to upgrade, it's Gary Trent and draft assets for, you know, someone who fits a little better or has a little more term, even if you want to like shoot pie in the sky, like if you want to start talking Shea trade packages, now that would be draft and prospect heavy. And I, I don't know that it would not. I don't know. I don't think it could happen without Scotty Barnes and the Raptors yeah. wouldn't do that. But if you wanted to do hypotheticals, if you fire up the trade machine, any fun trade machine thing you do, you're going to need Gary Trent's salary in there. It's just the way that the NBA trade landscape works. So there are a lot of reasons to me that suggest it's, it's maybe not a long-term thing for it. I, I never thought it was just based on the contract. It really did feel as though they bought time with Norm Powell. Mm. They flipped Norm into a contract that was going to last longer rather than getting a foundational piece for the future and the core. And he was slightly cheaper and Norm commanded five years on the market. Yep. And Trent, yeah, it's going to look a certain way if he opts out and you lose him for nothing, but... Here's the difficulty of it though. And here's this, this is the part that makes the truth serum thing complicated and talking about the core. I think they would love it if OG Ananobi was part of the core and if it was those four guys. I just don't know how you actually change your roster with just moving Gary Trent. What What is the value of a guy that's going to be on an expiring deal that's sort of a win-now player that is young but is going to command a bunch of money? He does come with bird rights, though, and he's yep. a very, very good high-volume shooter. Like he is. A team, and he's young, so teams will talk themselves into Gary Trent types for sure. I'm just saying if you're the Jazz, for example, right? What yeah. What is your hope for Gary Trent? It's to reroute him in another deal Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of like well why are you a landing spot and what are you getting back if you're the raptors like you want to do that deal in a a mike conley type deal more in a win-win type of trade right where like another team is looking ahead to financial flexibility or you know there's a positional imbalance or something like that i could also see it being a case where like say there's a team that underwhelms a little bit um this is not a great example because they don't have someone who who really fits but say the bulls come out this year and with lonzo's injury and damar and vucevic getting a little older they underperform and they're like look we still believe in this core but we gotta get a little bit younger and a little bit cheaper maybe then trent's bird rights are really attractive to them to get something younger and something more controllable yep Something um, like that. I don't know. Bulls are a bad example because they don't have anyone that would fit the Raptors super well in that salary range. I know. But they're a team that I'm looking at is like that team could really underwhelm if things go poorly. I got to be honest. It, Gary Trent Jr. to me has always felt like he's Sacramento King destiny. Like it's just that's. Uh, do you want to do the Rashawn Holmes conversation well, for like a fourth year in a I row? I mean, yeah. It just, it just has always felt like that's the type of team that he's going to mm-hmm. land with. A team that has aspirations of getting better and might lose in a deal with a guy like Masai Ujiri in that desperation to bring in someone who is in that age range and who can shoot volume like that and who fits around 
non-shooters like Fox Sabonis. Like, that's the type of fit team. I just, I don't know what the hell the Raptors get back in that trade that makes sense for them, right? Like, yeah. you're doing that deal where you go to the table and you want Harrison Barnes? Well, that doesn't really fit. That's, you don't need that. So, I don't know exactly what it is. So, the bigger question is, what would OG fetch you? And how aggressive are you going to be with OG and Anobi? How on the table is he? Because you know teams would come clamoring for OG Ananobi. You know that the price point for him is going to be high, especially if this season he can start to put together a healthy campaign. If he can stay on the floor and do all the things that OG Ananobi does, you are going to be pressed into an incredibly difficult position, which is he is going to look like a core piece, but he's also going to look like the only way for your team to improve outside of growth from Scotty Barnes. But this is the only thing I would say to you know Raptors fans listening to this. How much development can you have within a group? Like, how much can you expect them to improve? Do you feel like Fred Van Vliet, outside of health, has another gear to hit? Do you think that Pascal Siakam can become a top five player? Do you, How much better is Scotty Barnes going to improve? That's obviously the number one thing. Only player in the NBA last year to average 15, 7, and 3 with a usage rate below 20%. That's from Grange's article. How much outside of those guys do you think you can improve without actually having to shift things? And how much can you actually make those contracts line up? I just think that it's still going to be those two players and what their futures hold when it comes to either trade or re-signings. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And that's, you know, it's a great use of the truth serum because mm-hmm. I anytime you don't know for sure what the answer would be, like the truth serum is fun when it's like, hey, come on, be real. Like yeah, tell us tell the, the actual answer. But when... When it's hard to guess what the actual answer is, is where the truth serum is so valuable, right? Because I, I would bet that over the course of the offseason and last deadline and stuff like that, like the franchise isn't even a thousand percent sure uh, of this. And, and that's like, that's that, what, even going back to that Nets thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's so dumb looking back on it because essentially what I think happened is the Raptors, it was like KD's available and they were like, what do you want? And they were like, we want Scotty Barnes. We want this. And they went, no, but you know, if you want less, maybe OG is available and this and that. And it wasn't even like an actual trade <laughs> conversation because you weren't getting Kevin Durant for any of the trade packages that the Raptors were going to be willing to offer. What I really want to know from Asai is how active were, did you call somebody and offer them OG? Right. Not did you receive a phone call about it? Not did you get a call about Gary Trent Jr.? Were you calling teams quietly and saying for and it's Masai Ujiri, so it wouldn't have been a cheap price. <laughs> but for some, was was he shopping them? That's the truth serum. That's what I'm using the dart on. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good one, and I think it tells you a lot about where they think this core is and what the timeline looks like, as well as like where they, how soon they think they can get there. Because if they think they can get there soon, trading OG doesn't make a lot of sense. He's such a perfect like elite elite role player, so and good. there's upside beyond that for sure, but. Just who he is today is such a valuable thing if you think your team can be good and competitive right now. So it's a it's a good use of the How truth serum. Yours? Yeah, I, I would just say it's semi-related to what I said earlier. Like, do you really think you can marry these two timelines where Fred and Pascal are 28? And worth keeping in mind, Kyle Lowry yeah. didn't make his first All-Star game until he was 28. Guys can peak later. Those guys are 28. Scotty is like 20, 21, and... Trent, OG, Precious, all those guys are a little younger as well. Do you honestly think you can marry that? Or have we just delayed that you got to pivot off at some point? And I don't know. I don't know what their answer would be. I I think that they have the one 
luxury piece for them? Well, there's two things. One is that I, the fan base is still very forgiving and very accepting of things. Like one of the stories that I had down today is what are the actual expectations? But we'll get to that more for a season preview. Like when I get yeah. you back in here is like, what does the fan base actually want? Like what, what is going to be qualified as a success? Because how many years until losing in the first round or losing in the second round becomes very familiar and, and people start going, ah, uh, we're not, we're not nice, far off there. Yeah, I don't think, I, I, don't like, think, so I think you could, you could stomach it this year, but that's what I mean. I think this but. year they're still in that mode. And so that's why there's going to be some patience for it. And that's why there won't be any hot takery. And there's all going to be those kind of things, but. especially if a team like Cleveland, who is just as young and has been aggressive on the trade market and stuff like that, if they start to ascend, it'll, yeah. you know, it's not a, an apples to apples comparison, but that's who Raptors fans will, will eventually look at and be like, we were supposed to be ahead of them. A little bit, and they they were aggressive to kind of expedite their timeline. So where do where do those things line up in the yeah. Eastern Conference? It's going to come down to Siakam's continued growth and whether or not Scotty Barnes, the progress is linear. Because if it's not, then I think it's going to start to raise those really uncomfortable questions this year, and this season becomes very interesting from a different standpoint. Again, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can leave a five-star review. All of those things really help. You can share it. You can text it to a friend. You can post it on social. You can retweet it. You can do all those things. Blake Murphy, thanks for coming in today. We will see you very, very, very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm you, enjoying the show so far. Yeah, you can listen to Blake, of course, later today on Blue Jays Talk Plus. I think it's the best Blue Jays show, all right? Despite what other people say in promotions. Look, the say. ads that come on right before <laughs> I go on the air say Blair and Barker. The, listen yeah, to Blair and Barker, yes. the best Blue Jays show. But you, you can listen hey, to all of them. Second best Blue Jays show, it's the playoff race. You have room for two Blue Jays shows. We'll see you tomorrow.